Hi there, Chris Glynn here with the Nightlight Podcast. Our guest today is Lorenzo DeSantis, speaking to us from Johannesburg in South Africa. But first, I want to let you know that we do post a new Nightlight show on this channel every Sunday at 1800 GMT. Nightlight. What a delight. Welcome back to Nightlight, Lorenzo. I'm intrigued by the topic that you've chosen to share with us today on the mystery of the church. So, yeah, you know, Christopher, this matter of the church, I suppose some people are quite disillusioned with 2,000 years of church history. There's been so much that that has maybe happened that people have got disappointed and they've, they've lost the biblical view of actually what the church is. That's very true. And, you know, it's amazing. There's three mysteries in the cosmos So the first mystery is Christ, how God became a man and died on the cross and, you know, became redemption to man. Right. Another great mystery is like the cosmos. You know, it's like something people have been wrestling with for centuries, thousands of years. Right. Trying to understand. And the third um, mystery is actually the mystery of the church. And it's right, right up there with all those other mysteries. Right. Very interesting. So, yeah, I want to kind of try and unpack a little bit today. Like, what is this mystery of the church? Nightlight Insights. You know, the church, I just want to re- start reading a scripture here from John eighteen thirty one. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue on my word... You are my disciple. So I think the first point I want to make, the church is actually an extension of the word of God. Wow, that's right. So, you know, Jesus said, I do nothing out of my own. I only do what I see the Father do. Yes, that's what he said. I think the first most amazing principle, the church, the proper glorious masterpiece of the church. Wow. She is an extension of... Of the word of God. Right. Also in John eight twenty seven it says, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my words has no place in you. John five twenty four I say unto you, He who hears my word, he who believes into him who sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but passes from death to life. I think my first point is you have to see that the church is an extension of the word of God. Right. So you get two kinds of women. I mean, this is quite a harsh look at different types of women, but you basically have brides. Right. And brides are faithful and brides almost come under their husbands and they speak in line with their husbands. That's right. And then you get like Babylon the Great. Or the great whore. And the great whore actually speaks her own thing. Yes. A, an amazing point about just us opening up the church a little bit. The church is a group of people who are an extension of the word of God. Wow. She submits to her husband as the head. And she doesn't speak her own thing or her own opinions. That's right. She basically only speaks the word, and she's constituted with the word. Yes. And I think that's why it's very important, you know, we have to meditate on the word 
day and night, and we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen. And we have to be constituted with the Word. As we constituted with the Word, then we almost become the church. Wow. Because remember, the church is actually being washed with the water of the Word. Yes. The washing of the Word washes away all of the spots and all of the wrinkles. That's right. And that is what beautifies this woman. So we really need to learn to be constituted with the Word and not speak our own thing, but we need to speak the word. Amen. Yeah, do you want to add anything? That's just my first point. No, that's already given me much to think and pray about. Please, go ahead. Um, I'm just going to read something from the notes here from point two. We should be constituted with the word of God and speak this word in oneness with the Lord. We should not speak our own opinions and own feelings and own thoughts, but we should speak only what the Lord speaks, even as Jesus did himself. So yeah, the next point here, just on the show notes, if you want to maybe help me read a little bit. The bride is without spot or wrinkle. When we speak the Lord's word, we become without spot, blemish or wrinkle. This happens by the washing of the word which removes the spots and wrinkles from us. And um, yeah, that's Ephesians 5.27. Ephesians 5.27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not with spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Amen. And you know, Christopher, I just want to make a point here about the church. Like the church is the culmination or the high peak, or the the end of the entire revelation of God. Wow, that's right. Like the book of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua, Judges, Ruth, all those stories were actually written for us. Yes. And, you know, the church is also the last stand. It's almost the only thing that matters. And I think once you see the church and the importance of it, you'll realize, you know what, getting involved with other things. So there's nothing wrong with being involved with like good works or projects or building up communities or politics or different programs. Right. But the church is actually the last stand. And the reason we actually even enter into the tribulation, the tribulation is basically a reaction against the built up bride of Christ. It's all of hell breaking loose because of the church. Right. And it is God's last stand. And it is the only thing that will turn the age. And it is the only thing that will bring Christ back. Wow. So I think what I want to encourage us all with today is if you spend your life on anything, if you spend your life building with straw, hay and stubble, you know, your entire life's work will be burnt up. That's right. Your whole life will be vanity. But I think if God can give us a vision of the church and we can actually learn to build with gold, silver and precious stones, when our work is tested at the end of our lives, our work will stand. So that's why it says every man must be very careful how he builds. Amen. And again, even the Bible gives us some guidelines on how we should build. So it doesn't leave us in the dark. 
shining bright in the dark night. You're listening to Nightlight. So the Word of God is understood by the regenerated. So, you know, before I saved, I tried to read the Bible a few times and it made absolutely no sense. It was actually quite a scary book. But once your spirit is regenerated, for example, where Jesus speaks to Nicodemus and says to him, unless a man is born of spirit and water, he cannot see or he cannot enter the kingdom. We have to be born again in order to understand the word and to see the word and to participate in the building up of the church. Yes. Um, I, I want to give you an interesting little principle. Have you noticed whenever um, there's two sons born in the Bible, the first son never gets the blessing? Really? So think of um, Cain and Abel. Cain is rejected. Abel is accepted. Right. Think of um, Jacob and Esau. Jacob is accepted. Esau is rejected. You know, every time you see two sons in the Bible, the first son is always rejected. It's an amazing principle. God never accepts the firstborn son. I never realized that. And then you ask yourself, like, what is that talking about? Because, like, even when Abraham blesses his sons, he, he crosses over his arms. The blessing always goes to the secondborn son. Right. But the... The culmination of that actually happens in the New Testament where it says the first Adam became a living soul, but the second Adam became a life-giving spirit. God always rejects our natural life, but our regenerated life, the life that is born of God, that is the life God accepts. He accepts the second life in us. Wow. And um, yeah, my point there is in order to understand the word, you have to be born again, and then your spirit actually fuses with the spirit of God, and then the Bible starts to make sense, right? Right. Yeah, amazing. Okay, the bride interprets the word of God according to the word of God. So, you know, there's so many denominations and so many divisions and so many opinions. That's right. You know, the bride actually, she learns to interpret the word according to the word. So in Isaiah 28.9, it actually says, To whom shall I teach my word, and whom shall I make to understand doctrine? And the, there the Lord actually says, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts, for precept must be upon precept, line upon line, a little here and a little there. And why don't you read Second Peter 1.20 for us? Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Yeah, so, I mean, isn't that an amazing principle that um, the Word interprets the Word? Yes, it is. We need two or three witnesses. So that example I gave you of the firstborn sons, always, they never receive the blessing. That happens half a dozen times. I never saw that. So you can see that God is laying out a principle and a pattern there. And as we study the Bible in that way, and our spirit is regenerated, we can see a lot of light. That's right. You know, it's so amazing, the scripture in Revelations 11 verse 8, and it says, And their dead bodies shall lie in the streets of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, also where our Lord was crucified. 
So we know the Lord wasn't crucified in um, Sodom or Egypt. But isn't it beautiful, this Revelation 11 verse 8, where it says, spiritually speaking. Yes. Like a lot of what needs to be interpreted in the word is spiritually discerned. And that's why Paul even prays. He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Right. That you may have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Inspiring you to dig deeper into God's word. You're listening to Nightlight. You know, the mystery of the church is um, a bunch of regenerated believers. And these regenerated believers are actually grafted into a spiritual head. And the head is Christ. Um, The church is made up of a priesthood, not of a priest. And there you can read 1 Peter 2 verse 9 for us. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. You know, it's amazing. This problem actually started when God called all of Israel out of Egypt, and he called them, and he wanted them all to serve him and all to worship him. But they eventually say to Moses, no, listen, we'll stay at the bottom of the mountain. You go. You go be an intermediary for us. Right. Then again, that happens with um, the Levites. You know, the, God actually rejects the whole, and he chooses a group of priests. But God's intention was that all of Israel that came out of Egypt, they would all be priests. They would all come to Mount Sinai. They would all know him as the head. I never realized that. And then we even see this happen again where they, they say they want a king. They want to be like the rest of the nations, and they appoint Saul. Yes. But my point here, this was never God's intention. God's intention was that all of his chosen people would have a direct relationship with him and come to him. And we see that principle now happen again in the New Testament. So the New Testament, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes. And whoever is born of God becomes God's child. And whoever becomes God's child actually becomes a priest and a king. Wow. But what happens here in the book of um, Revelations 2 verse 6, do you want to read that for us? But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Yeah, so here, this group actually... They hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which God says he also hates them. But if you read a few verses down, I think it's the church of um, Theatira, they start practicing the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Have you ever heard that term before, hey Christopher? I've heard of the Nicolaitans, but I don't know who they were or what hateful deeds they were doing. That word Nicolaitan, you can break it into two parts. It's like Nikos and Laos. So Nikos is like where Nike gets its name, you know, like just do it, victorious conqueror. And Laos is basically like laity or like the common people. Okay. So the teaching of the Nicolaitans is actually the teaching of clergy laity. Is that right? Your clergy are your experts. 
and all your laymen come to church and they sit and they listen to the expert preaching. And, um, you know, if someone dies and there's a funeral, you call the clergy. Right. If there's a marriage, you call the clergy. If a demon needs to get cast out, <laughs> you call the clergy. That's right. The laity, they don't, um, they almost, they're just the common people. But this was never God's intention. And this is why the glorious church hasn't appeared on the earth yet. Wow. Because the revelation is whoever is born of God is a priest and is a king, and they have access directly to the throne of God. Praise God. And they get given gifts. And I encourage all of your listeners, if you haven't received your gifts from the Lord, I mean, they are so essential in this end-time battle. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. Do you want to read Matthew 23, verse 8 for us? Matthew 23, 8 through 12. Be not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all are your brethren. Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Amen. So by no means am I um, discondoning like leadership or eldership or deacons. Right. But if you read Ephesians, it says, And God gave the fivefold ministry. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and shepherds. Yes. For the equipping of the saints for works of service. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's amazing. So instead of them being on the top with a hierarchy, according to that verse, they are underneath and they are equipping. And the priesthood is actually doing the work of service. That's right. So this trap we've always fallen into is we always have a, want a king. We always want a head. We always want to call someone father. We always want an intermediary to go to God for us. Yes. But this is by no means the body of Christ and the glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. This is a, a man-made, almost fleshly Nicolaitan system that we need to break away from. Yes, you're right. So, yeah, I mean, I know, and I'm going to maybe challenge a lot of paradigms, but I think as we go into some other scriptures, so if this thing is a problem, then, like, what's the solution? How are believers supposed to go on? And I know a lot of believers, they are disillusioned with church. They are disillusioned with hierarchy. They are disillusioned because a lot of churches are almost like companies. That's right. You basically have your leaders, which are like your, your CEOs. You have your managers. And the bigger the church gets, the bigger your leadership team gets. Very true. And that's not a matter of each member being organically led by the head. But it's a matter of a corporation that is, is running. That's absolutely right. And one way you can look at it, you can see the church is a living organism, not an organization. That's a good quote. An organization is run by men and top-heavy leadership. An organism is a group of living stones and members that are each plugged directly into the headship of Christ. That's right. If every member comes to the Lord and is regenerated 
and anointed and is a priest and is a king. And they are all studying their Bibles by themselves and they have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and they have their gifts and, you know, they're almost maturing. So now instead of one head, there are hundreds and thousands of priests that are rising up. Wow. That is God's reproduction and duplication of his son. Jesus is the firstborn. But we see in Romans 8 that all creation is waiting in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That's right. Because the sons of God are going to liberate creation from the lie or the deception it was ensnared under. Praise God. So now that we take this ground and we renew our minds, like, what should we, what should we do? How should we meet? Okay, let's read Acts 2, verse 46. Acts 2, 46. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Amen. Yo, you know, one day they came and they tempted Jesus regarding divorce. And they said to him, you know, there was, there was one guy, he died, then his brother took him, then he died. Then the other brother took the, the lady, then he died, and the other brother took the lady. And they said, like, in the kingdom, whose wife will he be? Right. And he says, you do not, like, know the scripture. In the beginning, it wasn't so. In the beginning, there was uh, one man and one woman, right? Right. But the principle I'm trying to touch there is in the book of Acts, there was basically the ascended Christ, the apostles, and the body. Yes. The savage wolves hadn't come in yet. They didn't scatter the flock. The flock hadn't been denominated yet and gone astray. Denominated, wow. And there in 1 Corinthians, you actually, Paul writes to the believers in 1 Corinthians, and he says to them, like, what is going on with you guys? I hear... Some of you are saying you're of Paul, others are saying you're of Apollos, others are saying you're of Cephas, other of you you're saying you're of Christ. He says, I can't even address you like mature believers, but you fleshly. And you know, these days believers, they will say, well, do you know what? I'm of Methodist, I'm of Presbyterian, I'm of Baptist, I'm of Lutheran. We exactly like that verse. In 1 Corinthians. That's absolutely right. But what I want to do is say the way we fix it, go back to the way it was in the beginning. So in the beginning, the early church, they went daily, house to house, breaking bread. So we don't have to come up with a new system or invent church again. What we need to do is we need to go back to the practices they had in the beginning. That's right. So everyone around your house, Chris... That loves the Lord. You know, you guys should definitely get into this habit of getting into each other's houses and just breaking bread and remembering the Lord and having fellowship and having discussions and being hospitable. I mean, isn't that so simple and so beautiful? Eh? Yes, it's very simple and very practical. It's easy for anybody to do. So that is definitely a principle I think the Lord wants to recover. The next principle I want to recover is 
we don't just want to meet in houses. We do need to have bigger gatherings. And that is so beautifully explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Will you read that for us? 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 31. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most three, and that by course, and let one interpret. If there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. Amen. So it doesn't say, like, when you get together, let one man stand up and speak to you for an hour, and you all sit and listen. It's true. You know, this is beautiful. This kind of gives us some guideline. When you come together, brethren, let one bring a psalm. Let one bring a teaching. Let one bring a revelation. Beautiful. You know, we've got so into the habit of going to meetings to receive but, you know, we need to change our concept. We need to gather together with the priesthood of believers. But instead of coming to receive, you actually have to come and give. Yes. And you can give once you've developed yourself in the Lord. And as I said earlier, like every regenerated person will get gifts from the Lord. Right. You might get the gift of being a shepherd. You might get the gift of hospitality. You might get the gift of faith. You might get the gift of healing. You know, you might get a gift to serve. But, you know, we all get our, our gifts. And when we come together, instead of being in this Nicolaitan system, we actually come together as living stones and we come to enrich and to give to one another. Beautiful. And, you know, I think that can easily be done house to house breaking bread. I think for those who have been like disillusioned after the whole lockdown. For sure. I think that really derailed a lot of believers. And a lot of believers don't necessarily know like where's my place? Where do I belong? Where do I meet? And in actual fact in Ephesians, it says God places every member in the body as he sees fit. It's amazing. It's not our choice like... Oh, you know what, people at that church upset me. I want to go to that church. And then you're there for a year or two, and then someone else offends you or you don't enjoy it anymore. And you say, oh, I'm leaving those people, and now I'm going to go to that church. The revelation, it's not our choosing. When we get born of God and we become living stones, He positions us in the body according to His choosing. Wow, that's right. So, yeah, when we get together... You know, we, we need to learn to build ourselves up in the most holy faith, um, be washed and strengthened and rise up as sons of God with our gifts. And we need to bring. And when we come together corporately, you know, we can bring a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, an interpretation, a prophecy. Yes. But remember my um, previous point, so. You don't want to gather together with believers and bring the old creation or your old opinion 
or your old unrenewed mind. Right. That'll be very unedifying. But yes. if you're spending time in the Word and you're being built up and God is opening His Word and you have nourishment and you have bread and you have meat and you have oil and you have wine and we are building one another up through prophecy. Yes. And, um, you know, even this word prophecy here in 1 Corinthians, it's not the word prophecy for fortune-telling. It's the word prophecy which is foretelling. That's right. You're basically in the word and you're meditating on it, and the word is strengthening you. And out of the deposit that has been put in you, when you get together with other believers, you're speaking forth, and, yeah, the gifts in the body are to equip the saints and to works of service. We covered that point. But again, you know, if I just touch like eldership, eldership is not hierarchical. Eldership are those who care for the flock. Right. So, for example, in a meeting, you're breaking bread, someone's sick and vomits. Oh, <laughs> Sorry for the crude example. But the, the elders, you know, they are the first ones who will run to the kitchen and get a bucket and clean up the mess. Wow. The whole thing is we've inverted this thing to a hierarchical system, but Jesus said, whoever who wants to ever wants to be great among you, let him serve. That's so important. Um, you know, if someone these days is in the hierarchical in hierarchical Christianity if someone's a pastor, then you actually, you go and you look up to them, you know, and you're like, they, they have status, they have prestige, they have basically elevation. But, you know, that's not the way that I believe the Lord intended. That's right. Your pastors and your apostles and your elders, they are actually the lowest and the servants and those who basically hold all the saints on their shoulders through prayer and care and intercession. Inspiring you to draw closer to God, you're listening to Nightlight. The church I go to, Chris, is... According to Hebrews 12.22, it says, But you have come unto Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. I actually attend like the heavenly Jerusalem. So when Jesus ascended, and then a cloud hid him, and now he is seated at the right hand of his Father, the way I like to look at the church is I am plugged in to his headship. I am submissive to his throne. I attend the heavenly Jerusalem. And when I meet with saints like in my home or we get together for corporate gatherings, my meeting place is still the heavenly Jerusalem. And what we are engaging in regarding gathering around his throne we actually have an earthly expression of that. But I think this just kind of lifts our view to the oneness, you know. We are one in his headship. We are one in gathering around his throne. We are one in attending the heavenly Jerusalem. We are one by being grafted into him as living members. Amen. I just I just love that that principle. <laughs> And I think I was saying Revelations, you know, it actually says the 
the heavenly tabernacle was opened. The tabernacle on earth was actually a model of the heavenly tabernacle. The mercy seat and the cherubim and the ark and God's army, that was a mirror of something heavenly. And the church of Jesus Christ has to again be made up of living stones who are priests, who have received gifts, who are submitted into his headship, and who have come unto this heavenly Jerusalem. Chris, you can read Ephesians 2, chapter 6 for us. Ephesians 2, 6. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Very important here. The church is called to meet and assemble together. You can also read um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 for us. Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, this verse specifically talks about as you see the day approaching. We are entering a time where the hearts and the love of many are going to grow cold. But just remember, as we walk in the light, as he's the light, we have fellowship with one another. And Hebrews 10.25 clearly says, you know, do not neglect the gathering together of the saints. You know, I don't mean any disrespect to, to pastors and those who have spent their lives building congregations and who have a flock. I myself was in that position for many years and the Lord called me to take a different road and I'm still very much involved in building people up and building the church. I don't really think you have to do anything radical, but I think it is good to consider some of these things, even be willing to maybe change the way we have maybe done things according to tradition or the teachings of men or certain doctrines. I just pray everyone who heard this message would be blessed and strengthened in the Lord. The Lord be with your spirits. Nightlight's interview of the week was with Lorenzo DeSantis. And if that teaching was a blessing to you, please do share this show with others and encourage them to subscribe to this channel. Please do also check out our new Shopify audio Bible store. You'll find the link below. This is Chris Glynn signing out and looking forward to being back with you again soon for another awesome Nightlight show. Bye for now.